Hey, everybody. Before we start the show, we, of course, want to tell you about DraftKings. McGregor vs. Poirier 3, UFC 264. It's coming up. Every punch, every kick, every knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. And DraftKings is the official daily fantasy partner of the USC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. All you got to do is pick your lineup, stand their salary cap. You're going to pick six fighters, and you're going to pile up the points to try and win money. It's McGregor versus Poirier rubber match. Get in on the action right now. All you got to do, download the DraftKings app right now. Use the promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. In a world where social media is king and everyone is an expert in everything, get the facts from your insiders here on Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. Here are your hosts, Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. Uh, it, I, I can't even do an intro today because I feel like the energy that is Richie should intro this episode. So Richie, go for it. Thank you very much, Corey. Welcome Sporty Nation into my favorite episode we've ever done here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Why? Because we have multitudes of news. We have the Arizona Coyotes hiring a new head coach, which is by the time you listen to us has already happened. So congratulations to Andre Torini, as I'm going to call him for now, I'm just going to call him Andre. That's not how you pronounce his name, Cat. Andre I know. 3000. Yeah, call him Andre 3000. Call him Andre um, for now. He's the new head coach of the Arizona Coyotes. We're going to refer to him as Andre on this podcast from now on, just so you know. So, congratulations to him. Uh, I was at the press conference on Thursday. We're recording on Wednesday night, so I can't talk about it, but you'll see it on our social media. And the other big news, of course, Corey, is that we have Cat uh, Silverman here in the house sitting right next to me. She's going to join us for this episode. Uh, and then the other big, big, big news is that the Phoenix Suns are your Western Conference Championship champions in the year of our Lord, 2021. They're going to the NBA Finals for the first time since 1993. I never thought this would happen again. I was very excited. I'm still very excited. I've had uh, I've had uh, a beer. I I've, I've took a entire shot of whiskey chugging with the fellows edition you can go find the video up on my twitter feed at our floors anyone but it's an exciting night i didn't think it would happen again the last time the suns were in the nba finals Corey cat i was two years old so i don't remember, I, don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't remember. alive <laughs> that yeah you weren't exactly so none none of us really remember that at all i just only i remember about that is my dad recorded every single game of that NBA Finals series on VHS. And so I used to watch those VHS tapes of that series when I was a kid all the time. I used to like try and like imitate um, like Dan Marley and Kevin Johnson and Tom Chambers, Charles Barkley. And like, I used to love rewatching those tapes. That's the only thing I remember about that series after the fact. So this is a long time coming. Congratulations, Phoenix. Congratulations, Monty Williams, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Jay Crowder, Robert Sarver, James Jones. Incredible job. Four more wins away from an NBA championship, and damn it, this city needs it and deserves it. 
I'm pretty psyched myself. I have had a very long day, so my, my voice doesn't sound it, but I am very happy. And I have, I've never been the biggest basketball fan. We've always talked about that on here, but I have really embraced this team and I think it's been so much fun to watch and it's just been so exciting. I I was picking up my cousin today from the airport, literally watching um, in the cell phone lot off my phone, the game. So um, that's, that's the level of dedication that I've actually come to, which I never thought I would be at. So this is, um, it's really cool and it's made a fan out of me. So I'm really excited about all of it. And uh, I, I think it's a really great thing when, something can make Richie so happy that he may cry himself happy tears of sleep tonight. I, I was pretty damn freaking close. Now, uh, Kat, who's sitting right next to me, um, she didn't want to deal with me pretty much at all tonight. So she was like, oh, she was trying to figure out, you can tell the story yourself, but you were trying to figure out whether or not you wanted to uh, go do your workout before they came or during because you just didn't want to deal with me at all. Yeah, so the the last game, obviously, was that game five here in Phoenix. And uh, the Suns just, like, it's like they were playing with their parking brake on, right? And so they obviously frustrated you. Monty Williams frustrated you. You, at one point, asserted that you could coach the team better. Um, and I had a long day at work today, so I I did. I tried to decide. I was like, am I going to go do my workout before the game so I don't have to deal with like, so I'm nice and exhausted and he can't make me anxious by default or should I go during the game? And I decided that I'd go during the game um, because even if they lost, you know, there was another potential game after that. But uh, I got back, um, I glanced up at the TV while I was at the gym and it looked like like the Suns were, were, far enough ahead that they couldn't really blow it. And so I was like, all right, I think it's safe to go back home. Um, (laughs) And I got back home and I got to watch them widen their lead. And the last time I glanced up, it was a 21 point lead, which weirdly enough, um, I think it shows just how exciting this was for Richie that I think that's the quietest I've seen you during a game. Like you were just so satisfied. I was so happy. When the team's doing poorly, like I hear it. Like I can hear it from any part of the house. <laughs> I could probably hear it from outside. And when they're doing well, you're like, that's all right. Like I'm just, I'm gonna watch this. I'm gonna process this. And, and you were pretty excited about that. And I'm happy for you guys. Like I, I don't know if the listeners, uh, for any of them who know me, I went to a basketball school. Um, St. John's and they pretty much broke me for basketball for life. Um, my first professional sporting event was actually a Houston Comets game uh, back when they were still a team. Uh, so I, I liked basketball and then St. John's like was not a fun team to root for. Um, and so I sort of fell off. I don't have any loyalty to any one team, um, but the Suns have been fun. Like watching the games has been especially here in Phoenix, where I feel like what can go wrong does when it comes to having something nice with sports. And so far that, that hasn't really been the case here. And that's been, that's been pretty fun watching. So I'm, I'm delighted for you guys. You know, what's funny is that like the last time one of my teams made it to a championship game was the LA Rams. They made it to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And that was a completely different experience for me. Because football is such a different sport 
than NBA, where unless you get a game-winning shot, you're going to be kind of with usually within one score late in games. And it's a little bit more nerve-wracking to watch the NFL than it is the NBA. And in the case of this game six win for the Suns, they pretty much had it in the bag the entire second half. So I wasn't on the edge of my seat the entire time. I was very happy and very excited, but I just had a smile on the, my face. I just did my best to like absorb it and take it in and understand that like, listen, the job is not done. There are still four more wins to be had here where as opposed to the Rams game a couple of years ago, the NFC title game, I think I actually took a video of myself celebrating that game winning field goal by Greg Zerline in the NFC title game. Cause that was just such a different experience. And, uh, and, and so it's it's going to be so exciting to watch this team in the NBA Finals. And I'm going to be a nervous wreck the entire time. But, Corey, I've talked to you about this before, too, a lot. And I mentioned on the podcast last year when the Coyotes were kind of making their playoff run, which is like it's nice to be this um, on the edge of my seat and have these kinds of nerves again because that means your team is doing well. And, uh, and that's always a good thing. So now the Suns will rest for a little bit and we'll see who they play in the NBA Finals. It's either going to be the Bucks or the Hawks. Um, that series is tied up at two games apiece. So it's going to be exciting either way. And uh, thank you for letting me talk about this for the first 10 minutes of the show. It's, uh, it's, it's, you can just hear it in my voice, I think, Sporting Nation, just how excited I am, how excited the city is, how excited this, this city has been. This city is a Suns town. I mentioned that before on this show. The Suns were the first team to come here in 1968. And if you go back and look at the pictures from the time they were, when they won the Western Conference Championship in 93, they had a Western Conference Championship parade. And there were like tens of thousands of people just to see that in the middle of June in Phoenix. And that's how much this this town needs the Suns to do well. And I'm glad they're doing well again. And we can only hope that the Coyotes get there very, very sooner rather than later. Because we saw with the whiteout that this town gets behind winners, and and hopefully it comes here sooner than later. Because if the Suns are show you anything, it can happen quickly. Because like Corey Cat and I were talking while we were watching the the Suns game, and and we were talking about okay, well, who what would be the NHL equivalent to this? And and Cat thought it was the Buffalo Sabers, and I was like, well, maybe it could be the Arizona Coyotes or the Edmonton Oilers. But um, it just it just it's just a blueprint for for the Coyotes. They're like, hey, listen, this can happen quickly if you make the right moves, if you hire the right head coach. Monty, the Suns will not be here without Monty Williams right now, okay? And I, I made the comparison when the Coyotes started looking for head coach that they need to find their Monty Williams, and we can only hope that Coach Andre is is going to be their Monty Williams. I think also, too, it's just an interesting difference, too, in the sports and the fact that with basketball, you can have two big stars and they can make a massive difference on your team. I think one of the things we've talked about in the pod before that is different with the NHL is you need to have a very deep team to go far. I mean, we ha- we saw this season and the fact that the Colorado Avalanche kind of blew it is the fact that you can have a still very deep deep team and still not make it um, that far into the playoffs. But uh, I think it's also a little bit different in that regard in the fact that, um, you know, you can have Booker and Chris Paul and really just kind of take off a team having those two and having a good coach. Um, But in the NHL, I just feel like it's a lot more difficult. And I would really love to see the Coyotes come to a point where they are kind of that surprise team after a while. But 
uh, it, it's going to take some time because this team is going to be in such rebuild mode for a while that um, we should probably, as Arizonans, just really enjoy uh, this run that we are seeing right now because who knows when we'll see something good come out of Arizona sports, you know, for a while now because it's uh, definitely not going to be the D-backs either. <laughs> no, it is not. So I think talking about Monty Williams is the perfect transition to talking about the Coyotes' new head coach, Coach Andre, um, from the QMJHL, from the OHL, been a head coach for a long time in, in major juniors up in our Canada. The Team Canada head coach, not only for their world junior team, but was just the head coach of their um, world championship team that won um, the gold medal um, there. Uh, he coached Darcy Kemper. He coached uh, Michael Bunting there and Aiden Hill. So he has a familiar, familiarity with some of the players on the roster. Um, I'm curious to see what he has to say at his introductory press conference because we don't know much about him yet. Um, we, we know his resume, obviously. But um, so it's kind of hard to react right now in terms of before the press conference. But uh, we'll start. Uh, Kat, what is your what are your first impressions of Coach Andre? What do you know about him? And do you think he is kind of the right hire for this team? I think he is. Uh, sort of bouncing a little bit off of what Corey was saying with uh, how you can have superstars in in the NBA and you needed a different kind of makeup in in the NHL. I think that one of the things that is similar about the NBA and the NHL is that you need to have cohesion because you talked about Devin Booker and Chris Paul and my parents live in Houston. So I've seen what happens when I, when Chris Paul's not playing with a roster that he meshes well with the other superstars. Uh, I got to watch him with the Houston Rockets. Um, and I think that's something that the Coyotes just, they, even at their best recently, and they've come pretty darn close to finally making that hump to being a playoff team. I think Rick Tockett did a lot with a little, um, but they, they were almost like the Rockets in that there just didn't seem to be that cohesion, right? Like we, I think I, the last time you guys had me on, I talked about how it looked like their defense had a certain structure and then their transition game was a certain structure and then their offensive game was a certain structure and the players didn't really seem to transition from zone to zone in a way that was fluid and they didn't seem to communicate as well as a team like like the Colorado Avalanche did during the regular season and like the Tampa Bay Lightning do. I mean, my God, that's a team that they communicate. And even I know the Boston Bruins fell apart earlier this year in the playoffs, but watching them play, that's that's what the Coyotes need is just to have that that cohesion, not just from individual lines, because I think Tockett did an okay job putting together individual lines, but getting the whole roster to really work together in a way that during on the fly line changes and during different shifts when guys are injured and when somebody's just not clicking, just having everything work well together smoothly. And that's something that uh, when you look at a coach who has a resume with QMJHL experience, I think that's fascinating because I, I, one of the goalie coaches that I know coached with the, the Charlatan Islanders up in the QMJHL. And I remember talking with him about how different it is in the queue because that's a that's a league of haves and have-nots. It's a league where you have stacked rosters and you have rosters that have almost nothing because the talent pool there 
just isn't the same. The population there just isn't the same. You don't have Ontario, which is just full of hockey towns, and you don't have the WHL, which has basically three quarters of Canada, and they don't get a ton of the American players in the queue. Um, although they did get Connor Garland. Um, and so that's that's a league where the coaches, if they want to win, they really have to work at getting the depth players who oftentimes are 21-year-old overagers who basically are headed to play U-sport, which is the Canadian Collegiate League. And they have to get those guys and have them play against guys like Connor Garland who are headed for the NHL. And they have to basically not get blown out. And so their goaltenders face super lopsided games. Sometimes their goaltenders will face only 18 shots per game for an entire season, and then they'll face 43 the next year. And so I think that's that's a cool ro- roster resume experience to bring to the Coyotes, because I think that's a team that even if they make all the right shuffles this summer, which I don't think they need to blow it up, right? Like I think there are teams around the league that need to blow it up. The Coyotes aren't one of them but they do need to make some shuffles to their roster. They need to make some tweaks and some pretty drastic ones on defense. Um, and this is bringing in a coach who has worked with teams that didn't have the personnel they needed in their lineup. They, that's not, it's not like taking a coach from the London Knights where every single player is a superstar that you either had born and bred in Ontario and Newmarket and in London or you wooed away from the NCAA, right? This is this is a league where he gets players who maybe should still be playing AAA hockey instead of playing in the QMJHL. And so I think that's the right type of coach to have because he knows how to communicate and he knows how to essentially take guys who who really may not have any business being paired with another guy or being on a line with someone else and get them to understand how to work together. And I think he did it with team Canada this year. I think that was a roster that the first couple of games, they looked like trash and, and they ended up, you know, they ended up winning and that's, that's, I think really important. And that, that's something that this team could really use. Corey, what are your thoughts, uh, your reactions to coach Andre here as he begins his tenure with the Arizona Coyotes? Yeah, it's funny. I never really uh, expected this is this to be the turn that this team is going to take. Um, but I I do. It's funny that that Cap brings up cohesion because of the fact that it, I truly agree with that statement full heartedly, and the fact that Talkit, as she said, did do the best he could with what he had. But in the end, what he had was a team that was just slightly off every single time. There was. There was something off, and it was even in the in some of the smallest details. And you even you could see small changes, and you saw it in in the bubble in particular when they would make small changes to um, the power play. It would it would work for a minute, and would work for a game, but it wouldn't work consistently. And I, I felt like that same struggle continued into last season as well. And so it's. I honestly feel just kind of bad for talking out of all of this and the fact that I don't really feel like it was his fault. He did the best he could with what he had. But in the end, it this team is going to need to have, it's going to need to be tweaked to where there is really a cohesive unit under whatever coach comes in. Um, 
I, I think, you know, there's quite a bit of experience that Andre has. I'm not even going to attempt to say his last name, um, but it, which is something that I don't think we really expected because there were some people that were on this list that had very, very little experience. So in the the list of people that were proposed for this job, he actually is relatively um, experienced in it. So it's good, great to know. And it's, it's great to have the insight from Kat and, you know, on the queue, cause I'm, I, I'm not as versed in it, but, um, I think it, it, it's good potential, but it's really not going to mean much of anything until we figure out what pieces are going to be put together for this team and whether this team is going to be a, a team that he is capable of coaching in the fact that, you know, if it fits his style and he's able to adapt to it, or if they're able to build a team around him, it should be interesting to see the way that um, they decide to go about this. Yeah. Here's my favorite thing about this, which is I think what we're going to get here now is a true kind of relationship between Bill Armstrong and, and Andre, because that's something that we really didn't have in the first place. I don't think, I feel like we never got it with John Chica and Rick Tockett. We obviously didn't get it with Bill Armstrong and Rick Tockett, but I think we're going to get it here. And we're going to get a organization now that is going to be all in on the same page on with all the same goals instead of kind of all over the place. And I think that's what Bill Armstrong kind of is now bringing to the table here in his second season is, as he, you know, really tries to make his mark on this roster now. He's going to get his hands dirty, try to rework it. Same thing with 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 uh, the new coach here. And, you know, I, the best thing about this here is that they're not trying to do what they did with Rick Tockett, right? They're not trying to do what the Suns did for so many years and bringing in guys who were not head coaches. They were glorified assistant coaches, right? They're not trying to do what the Arizona Cardinals did with Cliff Kingsbury and bringing a guy who's way over, who's way underqualified. They're not trying to, to do that. They're bringing in a guy who has head coaching experience and has done it for a long time at a fairly high level, about as high level as you can get. That's not the AHL or the NHL or not professional overseas. And he's coached in the NHL before. He's been an assistant yeah. coach for the Ottawa Senators and the Colorado Avalanche. So he has an yeah, NHL combined three years. Too. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point too. So he, he has experience in the league. And I think that's something important is that the Caddies want a guy who's go, who is a head coach. And that's what Monty Williams was to bring back, bring us back around to that. Monty Williams was a head coach in New Orleans. He coached Chris Paul. He had to leave because of some just just awful 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 circumstances and the, un, the very sad death of his of his wife and he had to leave the game for a few years and he came back and got the is taking the Suns in the NBA Finals and and I and I, and that's kind of what Andre kind of brings to the table a little bit is that he kind of brings a head some head coaching experience he's bringing that experience of you know because. Obviously, we know that in EOHL and in the Q2, like your rosters are reworked on a consistent basis, right? So you're kind of almost in a consistent rebuild, I guess, in a way. And and he has he succeeded, right? He won multiple Coach of the Year awards in 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 the OHL, and I, I'm I'm excited to see kind of. And this is something that you know we I had we had Craig Morgan on on the drive with Jody Ayler on Wednesday morning, and this is something that he brought up. And kind of what I'm referring to is that 
he's kind of he's, he's going to bring a sense of culture to this team that has never that wasn't quite there with Rick Tockett. And it's and going back to what Bill Armstrong said at the press conference after Tockett left, you know, he was like, I want we want a younger coach. We want a guy who is going to be able to press these guys to really get them over the top and bring them to the next level. And I, I think uh, for now, at least, he seems like the right coach to do this job. Again, we'll hear from him on Thursday morning and get more from that. We'll, we'll react to that coming up on the Monday show. But for now, like I think they did a pretty good job here, uh, considering some of the other candidates that were out there. I'm glad, again, that they didn't, they didn't go for the retreads. They didn't go for the assistant coaches. They didn't try to replicate what Rick Tockett did. They're bringing a guy that um, I think deserves a shot at the NHL level. So I'm excited to hear from him uh, tomorrow morning. And for for the record, so I, I looked it up. His name is pronounced Torini, um, which I think, by the way, that every NHL team should do what a lot of the OHL and QMJHL teams have done in the last few years, which is put out name pronunciation guides at the start of every year. And so I looked up the Ottawa 67's pronunciation guide, and it is Andre Turini. Tour, like the Tour de France. E, like, E, it's a spider. And knee, like the body part. So there you have it. Yeah, there you go. That's why we have Cat on the pod, Corey. She, <laughs> she knows what's up. That's why I have Cat in my life. So that way she can remind me that in future, in future references, because I'm going to forget that, like, tomorrow. <laughs> All I remembered is that there's like Tour de France in there and that's something with your knee. So that's as far as I'm going to get with it. I did want to point out the, the fact that, um, it, you know, talking about his experience coaching wise and everything, um, he's under contract with Hockey Canada as a, as a, as a full-time coach. And it's the first time that they've had a full-time coach since uh, 2005. So uh, the Canadians have some faith in the man. Yeah. As they should. Yeah, and like Kat pointed it out too, like that's a hell of a coaching job he did to bring that team around from where they started because we were laughing at them. We were like, oh, ha, 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 they're going to be out of the tournament because the, with the kind of losses they were suffering. Like Darcy Kemper was giving up fucking goals looking like he was a – like he didn't give a fuck basically. And then they won the gold medal like two weeks later. So how much of that is the coach and how much is the players finally, go, finally meshing – well, then how impressive is it that he wrangled him into actually playing good hockey? Yeah. He looked rough. That yeah. game against Team USA, he got pulled. I mean, he got yanked against the U.S. because I think it was Connor Garland who had two or three assists in that game. He was getting scored on by Jason Robertson, who, no disrespect to Jason Robertson, but, like, what was happening? Um it was it was rough watching him in that game, and I kind of stopped. And the next thing I knew, I was watching videos on Instagram of Michael Bunting screaming at the top of his lungs because he won a gold medal. And and I thought that was kind of cool. I I wonder if it doesn't. And I don't know if it gets talked about enough that Shane Doan has this sort of unofficial role with the Coyotes, where he's not. He's not in any established, named, traditional position, but he he works with the Coyotes. He's an advisor with them, and and then he was one of the GMs for the World Championships for Team Canada with, I believe, it was Roberto Luongo. Um, and it seems like he pretty much invited every Coyotes player 
with Canadian citizenship, he was like, you want to come play? And if they said yes, he was like, great, let's go. Because um, I believe he even invited Lawson Krause, who I love as a as a guy, but did not have the best year. Um, and it so it's kind of cool seeing that Doan was able to get a lot of these Coyotes players there. They got to play under Torini and he got to see some of some of how they play, how they work. And, and it, I'd be willing to bet that he probably got a chance to get to know how Doan thinks the team operates and Doan got to see how he operates on a daily basis, coaching players who were sort of thrown together with limited resources in the sense that a world championship, uh, you, you basically get thrown together. They say, hey, you guys, you guys all grew up in the same country. Congrats, we're going to play together. Have fun. And the Coyotes are probably going to have a little bit of that next year. They're, they're not going to be like the Tampa Bay Lightning, who mysteriously brought every single player they had back this year. And they're probably going to have a little bit of turnover there. So I think that's, that's important to have that coach. And it's kind of cool that Doan was able to see how he, how he worked with that and, and then sort of report back to, to Bill Armstrong on it. Let's be honest. No one can be or should be like the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> I I kind of kind of love that they're so shamelessly like they 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 found a way to play the system and good for if if the Coyotes could have found a way to play the system like that, that would have been awesome. They tried but to and got caught doing say, it. Yeah, they uh, they got caught trying to trying to game the system and. The Lightning did it in a little bit of a more above-ground way. So good for them. <laughs> in case you're wondering, Sporting Nation, first of all, I've watched, you know how much of the Stanley Cup final I've watched? Like five minutes, and that's it. Like, so uh, you got me hooked. They also, I think it was the lowest-rated Stanley Cup final in like 15 years, too. Like nobody's watching this thing because nobody cares at this point. So congratulations to Bill. I mean, you're probably going to win the Stanley cup. All right. So we're at, uh, we're about 30 minutes here. Um, Corey needs to go to bed. Um, I need to go party some more and drink some more out of pure excitement, um, about the Phoenix suns. So, um, any, do you have any last words, Corey? Uh, I do have um, an interesting little uh, factoid addition, though, that I wanted to, us to talk about because I wanted to have a little conspiracy time at the end here. Okay. Um, so two little conspiracy bits that came from the article that Craig Morgan put out that I thought were interesting. is One is that Decord is now uh, the volunteer BU goaltending coach. So after he was mysteriously leaving the team, he is now doing a volunteer job at BU because they already have two that are, that are paid and you can't like have another one. And uh, Golly sold his house. You two do with both of those as you will. I think that's... Uh, with regards to Decord, I'm... I'm surprised. I'm still surprised he left, but I do know that from what I what I heard earlier in the season, um, part of what what happened with Zach Burke is he wasn't full time in Arizona, and the team was really looking for their goaltending department to be full time. Um, and Brian Decord has a massive goalie school up in Massachusetts um, that I would be willing to bet 
given the way that COVID sort of ravaged teams over the last two years, his goalie school is probably a little more lucrative than working with an NHL team right now, because as we, as we know from over the years, uh, there is a former goaltending coach, not of the Coyotes, of a different Pacific Division team who told me that he was making $75,000 a year as a goaltending coach um, at the AHL level, but he was working with the NHL team as well. Um, so I'd be, I'd be willing to bet that he, he probably just, uh, wanted to go back to, to where he makes a little more money in, in Massachusetts. And the team probably didn't want him working in the role that he was in out of Massachusetts. They wanted him here in Arizona, which I don't know how he could pass up being in, in the desert during the winter, but if he wanted to good for him. Um, but that is kind of kind of interesting in that 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 parting of ways I I kind of want to see where it goes from there um I have no no comment on Galagoski maybe he found a better house I don't know (laughs) I I know there's a lot of speculation out there that that a lot of people wouldn't mind seeing Gali come back on a on a one-year deal and kind of keep him around a little bit as kind of a a veteran voice on the team and a guy who has been a a pair with Jacob Chikrin and is they've been really good together for the last couple of years. But I I mean I I wouldn't mind him coming back if he's on a really, really tiny contract, right? As for one year and then move on from him. But in a year or turnover, maybe it's who knows? Maybe it's time for him to go. Cause I know remember a couple of years ago, like he was on the verge of kind of being done with the game and then he came he decided to come back and had a really nice season and stuck around for another year so who knows i'm not looking into it at all people buy and sell houses all the time i saw the arizona republic have one of their worst headlines of all time which was like alex marillo buys 14 million dollar house despite coyote's financials and i was like who fucking cares like we know he's got a lot of money I don't give a fuck what he wants to do with that money, to be honest. If he wants to buy a million-dollar house, good for him. I'm just glad that he's buying it in Arizona yeah. and not, like, fucking Quebec or Houston or or wherever else the, everybody wants to think the Coyotes are going. But So I'm not buying the conspiracy theory. <laughs> well, so with the, with the golly thing, and it, he was asked about it. And he said that um, he would be dumb not to sell it right now because of the fact that the market here is so high, um, which is absolutely true. But then trying to buy another house here is like the dumbest thing you could try and do right now because they're at, it's just so astronomically high. Well, um, correctly, Goligoski still has a home back uh, back in the Midwest where he's from. Um, so I would, I mean, I, I think I saw and like yesterday or the day before that the average housing price in Arizona, the average home price is set to exceed 400,000 in the next couple of days here, if it hasn't already. Um, when I moved here to Phoenix in January of 2015, the average home price, I believe was 285. So I, man, if I knew that I had a home back near my family in the Midwest and I could sell my home here, for essentially this massively inflated price until they managed to catch up on construction from COVID, I would do the same thing. 
I'd sell that house so fast. And then, then I'd go live with my family during the off season, live in my summer home, my lake house. And then I'd buy another home when the market cooled off. Like that's, that's working smarter, not harder. And and it could be that he wants to move on. I think that's fine. But I I think that now would be an amazing time to buy a home if you have another one that you can go and stay in when let's be perfectly honest i wouldn't if i if i could not be in arizona right now i wouldn't be i'd be out of here so fast until early october so i i don't blame him all right uh with that we're gonna wrap up the show but i have one last thing before we get out of here um i would like to thank Corey for my drinking glass of choice tonight it's my bridesmaid glass. It has my name on it. It's very cute and adorable, and I love it so much. And that's what I decided to celebrate the Suns Western Conference Championship with. So thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. I'm so glad you like it. And I'm so glad you're embracing the role and that so many people are enjoying the role. It's just it's been a ton of fun to see how much people enjoy that I'm having a bridesman. It's <laughs> actually pretty damn awesome. It's nice, too, to be doing a podcast with my bridesman and my maid of honor. Like, that's kind of dope as hell. For your listeners, uh, before we go, I am not a crier unless I'm watching a TV show. Um, but I came pretty darn close to like bursting into tears because Corey made me a custom puzzle that she told me is mine and not my daughter's because my daughter steals everything from me. And when I put it together, it was a little cartoon picture of me and her, her in her wedding dress, and me in a cute bridesmaid's dress asking me to be her maid of honor. And it was pretty much the cutest thing that anybody's given me in the three decades of of life that I've lived. Um, And I love it. I love it. I'm so glad you liked it. It was so funny when I saw... I was trying to figure out what would be perfect and I saw a puzzle and the first thing I thought was for those listening that don't know, Izzy is, is insane about puzzles. Any puzzle that she finds, she will attack it and try and put it together. And then she will battle Richie to see who can put the puzzle together the fastest. Like she has, has an addiction to puzzles. And so I thought it would be the cutest thing ever to finally let you have a puzzle that's just for you and not for her. I hope she tries to do it when she gets home, just so I can tell her no. (laughs) If she tries to while I'm there, I'm going to say, try me, kid. Fight my child for a a maid of honor puzzle. On that note, thank you guys for having me here. We are always delighted to have you. Always. We talk about you even when you're not on the pod. So. (laughs) This is true. This is true. All right. Congratulations, Phoenix Suns, on your Western Conference Championship. We'll see you in the NBA Finals. Just get four more wins now so we can celebrate an NBA title as a town. The city freaking deserves it. Uh, For Corey and Katarina, I have been Richie. Until next time, good night and good hockey, everybody.